Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Um, well, my name's Janine and um, I have come from Wollongong today. Go the gong. Um, I actually moved back to Wollongong. I left when I was about 20 and so it's been a long time coming but full circle. Two years ago my husband and our boys moved back to Wollongong. We started a church in September last year called C3 Believe. So pray for us. It is hardcore, let me tell you. Also the best thing we could ever have done. I've got a couple of pictures that I just want to put on the screen just so you're not having to take my word for it, but you can actually see how divinely gorgeous my husband and my sons are. We can, maybe you will have to take my word for it. Oh, Andrew, that's my husband, Andrew. He is a Kiwi, but I love him anyway. Oh, we've got Kiwis there, represent. Um, my son, Samuel, who is 16, he's in Darwin at the moment on a school excursion. So, my um, parental responsibilities have been cut in half. It's like so good. Anyway, it's not that he wreaks havoc that badly, but you know. And Johnny is my 13-year-old son. He's very cute. We love um, Wollongong. And as you can see, we live right by the beach. We are living the dream. We also have a new addition to our family. And if I can just get, yes, little Jenny. My son Johnny's wanted a dog forever. And we live in an apartment, so it had to be a little dog. I grew up on a farm, so outdoor, big dogs, you throw them a handful of palmetti bites or they catch a rabbit, you know, they're on their own. Now I have this fluffy little handbag-sized dog who Johnny named Jenny because she was a girl and he wanted to name the dog after himself. Um, but she has captured all of our hearts. She actually ate the soul out of my shoe before I left and everything that I am wearing is covered in a little bit of puppy saliva right now because she got into my luggage but I love her anyway she is the daughter I never had so that's us um, I also want to let you know we've got a little bit of resource available and I wrote a book and I know that I do not have a lot of credibility with a handbag fluffy dog and a pink pink princess book right now but I grew up on a farm and a dairy farm, we had friends who had a free, uh, wheat and sheep station in Durai. So I would actually come up this way every school holidays and hang out in Durai. Is that far? Like we'd come, yeah, we'd drive into Tamworth and that was the big smoke. But, you know, a few years ago, God put it on my heart to write a book about female identity. And it's called Princess because we are daughters of the king based on the life of Esther and it explores the hallmarks that were the themes of her life, beauty, influence, alignment and authority. And you know, there is so much confusion about identity and gender in the world today. More than anything else, we need women who know what it is to be a woman, who know who they are, not from the opinions of people around them and what society says, which changes every day but actually who are anchored in their true identity and their true authority from the word of God and then start to live in the authority he's called us to. And just like Esther, there is a decree and a declaration of genocide over people groups of trying to shut voices down. 
But because Esther knew who she was, she was brave, she was full of faith, and more important than ever, she knew who she was, who she belonged to. She spoke, and her voice was the catalyst that transformed her nation and delivered freedom to people. So I would love every woman, every mom, every daughter, every sister, every friend to get a hold of this, and I will sign copies of them um, later, but I'd love to give this away to someone who is here for the first time in church. So if that is you, just give me a little wave. Yay! Welcome. It's so good to, to meet you this morning. Let's welcome this beautiful lady. Your friends have dubbed you in. You don't need to come to the front. We also have some um, beautiful pendants um, with Jeremiah 9:11 on the front. They're gold-plated. And um, God has given us a future and a hope. We minister in Cambodia to girls who've been rescued out of sex trafficking and in November and December, I'll be taking 120 girls aged between 3 and 20 on a retreat. It's four days of ministry and a lot of fun. You know, a lot of uh, resource goes into rescue, but most of the girls who are rescued will actually return to prostitution of their own free will because the internal damage hasn't been addressed. And so that is what we are specifically focusing on. But these gifts were the graduation gifts for the girls. But I was told by the host organisation we couldn't give them to the girls anymore because there were too many suicide and self-harm attempts and they didn't want anything that would go around their necks. So I thought, how can I turn this around? And so what I've done is written the name of the girl who would have been the recipient of each of these pendants with her age. So you can get hold of that and you can pray for her. This one is for Sokna and she's 16 years old. So those are available as well. But friends... You know, I want to share a, a message this morning that I know is going to be significant because it's been a significant message that, that Jesus and a work that he's done in me. And um, I was thinking about a conversation that I had with my son, Johnny, a few years ago now. And I was tucking him into bed and he was seven years old. And he said to me, Mom, it seems like yesterday I was only four. Now I'm seven. How did that happen? Where does the time go, mum? And it struck me. Like, I remember thinking that maybe when I was turned 25, like, oh my gosh, I'm an adult now, officially. Like, where has the time gone? But my little boy at seven years old was like, geez, you know, I used to be in preschool. Now I'm at big school. Like, what has happened? But, you know, time just passes without question, without fail, Time is marching on regardless of what is happening in our lives. And does anyone ever feel like they need a moment to catch up? Like just pause on time. Just let me process. Let me catch up. And, you know, there is a saying that we often repeat. And it's that time heals all wounds. But, you know, I've thought about that. And I think that's actually not the truth. See, the definition of time is that it is an empirical measure of existence from past to present. It's just an empirical measure. That's all it is. And how can we attribute any kind of healing properties to something that is just a measure? It's not a physician. It's not God. And, you know, we all have wounds. We all have bad things happen to us in moments and sometimes over seasons, that we need to deal with and process. And you know, the, 
healing of our wounds, friends. It is far too important to be entrusted to time because time does not care if we're healed or not, right? It's just going to march forward whether we are healed or if we are not healed. You know, what is important are the choices that we make over time. That's where the healing comes. When we make a deliberate choice to acknowledge and to process and to allow God into those areas of pain in our lives so that we can move forward into our future with freedom. And so I've called this message this morning, Unstuck. Because unless we make a deliberate choice to deal with pain, to deal with rejection, offense, and hurts, then we are going to remain stuck in a moment. Friend, it was only ever a moment. So why all these years later is it still influencing your present and determining your future? You were stuck in a moment. Maybe you've been stuck in a season. You know, pastoring, I have so many conversations with people. And... Um, their choices are influenced by something that happened when they were a little girl or something that happened in church when they first got saved and now all these years later they've carried it with them into future, spoken it into the generations. You know, the Word of God tells us that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's not just one moment of salvation and hooray, I don't have to spend eternity in hell, friend. That is not why Jesus died. It's so right now we can live in freedom as well as have eternal freedom. So we are going to go a little bit old school today. We're going back to the Old Testament. We're going to look at a story from the book of Judges. This is Judges chapter 11. My challenge to everyone this morning is do not watch Netflix when you get home, read Judges. You want something juicy, it will blow your mind, right? The stories in Judges. But this um, is about a man called Jephthah. And, you know, Old Testament names are not my strength. So if I mispronounce anything, okay, grace, friends. Okay, just go with it, just smile. It's all going to be good. But it says in... The book of Judges, chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. It says, Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute." Isn't family so much fun? You know, the very first thing that we read about Jephthah is that he is a great warrior. That is who he is. That's what the Word of God says about him. And I know that I am in the company of some great warriors here today. Come on, welcome to the gun show, right? Show me those muscles. I know that I am in the company of people with grit, people with resilience, Men and women of faith who know what it is to stand and remain standing, to overcome, to believe the best. Circumstance may say this thing right now, but I know who God is. I know what his power is and I'm holding on. You are great, mighty warriors. God believes in you. There is a call on your life. There is an assignment and, your, and a purpose for you being here, friends. Bigger than you can even imagine. Heaven is on your side. 
God believes in you. But then there's also another opinion circulating around his life. He's the son of a prostitute. His brothers chased him off the land. You won't get any of his, our father's inheritance. You know, what I've come to understand is that everyone's family is a little bit messed up. And I really had this illuminated to me when I married my husband. And you think your own version of messed up is normal, right? And then you see somebody else's version of messed up and you're like, what is wrong with you people? But, you know, I grew up um, with this great uncle, Uncle Tom. God rest his soul. He is no longer with us. But it didn't matter how precisely you would position yourself when you saw him to, like, give him a little kiss on the cheek. He would somehow get you smack bang on the mouth. Your whole face would be dripping old man saliva. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, family. Oh, my gosh. And the dysfunction kind of has a bit of a scale. Like it can be a little bit quirky, a little bit endearing. Right to the end of the the dysfunction scale, we end up with criminal and very damaging, right? Some of us have grown up in those kind of families and environments. Church family. No church family is perfect. No community is perfect. There's dysfunction in all of it. You know... um, What I have come to realize, over time, in order to deal with our stuff, we need to start to make good choices. And at the foundation of every good choice is an understanding of, in this situation right now, what can I control and what can't I control? Because that then empowers us to take responsibility for what we can control, seek God, make a wise choice over what I can control, but then trust God with everything else that is not within our control. You know, some of the things that we can't control, we can't control other people, right? We might like to try, but we can't. We can't control how they behave, the way they respond to us, what they think about us, what they say about us. We can't control that. You know, we can't control who our parents are, right? Where we're born, the, the family we were born into, And friends, none of us can control the details of our conception, right? Were our parents married? Weren't they married? Was Barry White playing in the background when it happened? Like, we do not get to control that. Come on, friends. And yet, his brothers are having a go at him, disparaging who he is because of something that is completely outside of his control, Friend, you are here and you are carrying burdens of guilt and condemnation that have been put on you by people that have nothing to do with what God says about you and they have nothing to do with any free will choice you have made. And it's time to put a line in the sand and recognize that the stuff that comes out of people's mouths says everything about them and is nothing generally to do with us at all. Friend, we can't control that. You can't control your past. People here, you've been beating yourself up for a mistake that you made in the past. Christ is a redeemer. He has the power to take those mistakes and restore and bring redemption. So stop beating yourself up. Because friends, the things that we fail to address in a healthy way and let Christ into, we're going to end up compensating for later in our lives. 
You know, we can't control other people. But what we can control is who we are going to spend our time with and who will be a voice of influence in our lives. Verse 3 says that Jephthah fled, having a little bit of trouble keeping my notes in place this morning, that he went to a place called Tob. And you know, there are people in our lives that we are all going to have to flee from. Part of growing up, part of making a good choice is understanding who a safe person is and what a healthy relationship looks like. And friend, not every person is a safe person. And not every relationship is a healthy relationship, even when they are family. And so Jephthah makes a good choice. And it says that he fled from his brothers and that rejection, he went to a place called Tob. And friend, I'm not talking about... um, being mean to people or being rude. But what I am talking about is understanding our own value and the authority that we have to establish healthy boundaries and healthy standards of of relationship and behavior around us. Why are you putting up with behavior that treats you or makes you feel that way? Why are you surrounding yourself with, with people who put you down? Not everyone is going to stay on the same pathway with you your whole life and understanding, you know what, now I need to deviate from this. You know, sometimes, especially in family, we can't physically separate ourselves, but the Word of God tells us to guard our heart. And it's just that understanding of, okay, you know, I'm not going to engage with this, I'm not going to fight with you, but I'm guarding my heart, I'm not taking on board what you say because you're not safe. I I don't trust what's coming out of your mouth. And it's just wisdom. That's all that it is. But you know what it goes on to say in verse 4, that there is a war in Israel, that the Ammonites are wanting to go to war with Israel. And so um, Jephthah's brothers come to him and they ask him to lead them into battle against the Ammonites. Do you know, the very first thing that we read about Jephthah was that he was a great warrior. That is who he is. The opinions of his brothers calling him names, you're the son of a prostitute, you're illegitimate, you'll never get any inheritance, that did not change his identity, did not diminish the purpose and the call of God upon his life. He was a great, mighty warrior. He was a leader. God had a purpose for his life that would deliver victory and freedom to his people. And you know what? All the opinions around him, they could not stop him from fulfilling that call. Jeremiah 1 and verse 5, God says, Before I even formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Friend, before you were even born, I anointed you and I set you apart before you were born into that family before somebody declared that over your life or anybody else had an opinion, God had a purpose and a plan for your life. You haven't missed it. It's not too late. The door is not closed. And the truth is, the only person that can stop us from fulfilling the call of God upon our lives is us. We are the only ones. And so Jephthah, it says, agreed to lead the, um, the people into battle against the Ammonites. And it says in verse 29 that the Spirit of God came upon him 
that he was filled with God's spirit to lead this, the nation of Israel in battle. But then in uh, verses 30 to 31, it says he did something very unexpected and completely unnecessary. He says to God, if you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give to the Lord whatever, some translations say whoever, comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph, I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. A burnt offering was a legitimate sacrifice. And the book of Leviticus outlines all of the acceptable sacrifices that could be given in this offering. They were lambs, young goats, an oxen, or a dove. And you know, what I was thinking was why on earth is he offering to do this extra offering and sacrifice? He's already an anointed leader, a great and mighty warrior. He's filled with God's perfect purpose with God's spirit for the specific purpose of defeating the Ammonites. So why is he overcompensating in this way? What is he trying to prove? And when you read what he says, it's a legitimate offering, but it's not the version of the offering that God is wanting, a dove, an oxen, a little lamb, because those kinds of things don't live in houses, right? Who is most likely to come out of a house to greet him when he returns in victory? A person. Like what on earth is going on here? You know, so many things that we do technically in God's name, oh, it's a burnt offering, actually have got nothing to do with him at all. He does not want human sacrifice. He's expressly forbid it. So where's the confusion? What is going on? on here. You know, we can give um, the right expression and the right terminology to justify a lot of the things we do. When actually, if we break them down, we will realize that, you know what, that's got nothing to do with that squeaky clean image I'm presenting at all. This is much deeper. This is something that I'm trying to make it look like it's good and look like it's God, but actually the origin has got nothing to do with God. I've got something to prove. I'm trying to make a statement here. And then come in verse 34 to 35, it says that when Jephthah returned home, his daughter came to him playing her tambourine and dancing for joy. She was his one and only child. He had no other sons or daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and he cried out, Oh, my daughter, you've completely destroyed me. You've brought disaster on me because I made a vow to the Lord and I cannot bring it back. That is some of the most devastating verses of scripture in the Bible. This should have been a celebration, but actually it became a funeral. Like what is going on? This guy is a great warrior, yet he's blaming his little girl. It's your fault. Blame is the language of victims. This guy is not a victim. So why is he acting like one? So I don't want to go too much into human sacrifice here. It is just way too dark. So we're just going to keep it just over here in the light a little bit. Like what is the origin? And the origin of this very devastating outcome is actually found right at the beginning of these scriptures in verses 1 to 3. 
he still sees himself as that damaged little boy that was a victim of the persecution of his brothers. And he is agreed with the wrong report. It says in verse chapter 3, it, um, it says that he went to Tob. And if we can get that scripture on the screen. And then he was soon followed by a group of worthless rebels. See, rejection is something that none of us can escape in life. Pain, hurt, offense, it's going to happen to all of us. You know, in reality, you know, those things aren't of God. It's never his will that we would be hurt or rejected or experience pain. But that really isn't the main problem. The problem is what we do about it, how we process it, and what, how we deal with it. See, Jephthah left, he went to Tob, but it's what he did in that time that was the problem. See, we cannot lead people to a place we are not first at ourselves. And where did he lead these people? Worthlessness and rebellion. And my question to you today, friend, is when God's word says to you, you are a great and mighty warrior. I believe in you. I've got a plan for your life. I am with you. Would you trust me? I love you. But your brothers or society or people or your husband or your wife say, you are the son of a prostitute. Your life won't come to anything. You will not get any of our father's inheritance. Who will you believe? What voice will you agree with? There is power in agreement, friends. We make our choices not on the, the basis of our reality, but on the way we view and see our reality. And agreeing with the wrong voice leads to some very damaging choices and outcomes. Whatever we don't deal with, friend, we are going to compensate for. Do you know, I had my own experience with a group of worthless rebels. I grew up in church, a beautiful little Anglican church. I always knew about God. When I was seven years old, I was sexually abused in the church context and told that it was my fault. And that was a really bad moment. When I was 17 years old, I was leading in a youth group and the youth leader was sexually abusing the boys of the youth group. He went to court and but we were told as the youth leaders that we should have kept him more accountable. And it was a hard and devastating, very damaging season. Happened when I was seven, happened again when I was 17. Those were moments, they were seasons, they were hard and they were wrong. But later in my life, I was still living in that pain, still living in that brokenness. Like Jephthah, I fled. It was like, I'm out of here. The time I was 18, I was out of church. Do not even talk to me about church. I traveled overseas. I found myself living in Central America. I was living on the border of Costa Rica and Nicaragua, living with a group of people who I can only describe as worthless rebels, selling drugs, taking drugs. I remember this one time, this guy came up to me at one night, there was a party happening and he was really trying to hit on me. He had on his head, like I don't remember much else about him other than this mountain of dreadlocks on his head and this family of oversized cockroaches tumbling around in the dreadlocks. Friends, do not spend time with worthless rebels, right? They are not sanitary. You could catch a disease. 
And I remember thinking, what am I doing here? It was such a light bulb moment for me. Why am I with these people? They cannot help me. They can't even help themselves. Soap is important, right? Personal hygiene, come on. Can't even get the foundations right. Do you know when we are hurt, when we've been rejected, the temptation is to seek the company of other hurt and rejected people. Friend, they cannot help us. They're hurt. They're offended. They're dealing with their own rejection. How can they help us? What I've come to realize after living life a lot of years, I'm, I'm very old now. I feel it. <laughs> Friend, when we are uncertain and there will be seasons in our lives where we are just confused, we feel hurt, we know one thing, but our reality, our experience has been something else and we're just trying to make sense of it all. When you are in that season of uncertainty, don't follow uncertainty. Hold on to the Word of God, the one thing that is certain, that will not change, that will never fail. That is your certainty, friend. Anchor yourself. When things are falling apart, when it feels like all hell is breaking loose, anchor yourself in the one place where Jesus Christ has said he's committed himself to building and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His house, his church. Don't run away from God, run toward him. He is the only one that can bring healing and redemption to those broken places in our lives. Friends, whatever we refuse to deal with, we're going to end up compensating for. And the compensating behaviors impact not just us, but like we see in the story of Jephthah, they are generational. Worthlessness always leads to rebellion, rebellious behaviors that damage ourselves and other people because worthlessness stands in direct opposition to the truth of who God says that we are and what our value is. I studied economics at university and one of the things that I remember from that degree is how to measure value. And value can only ever truly be measured by the price that somebody is willing to pay for something, right? You're going to sell a property, you might think it's worth this amount of money, but you put it on the market and then the market will tell you what it's actually worth, the price that will be paid for it. And friend, when sin entered the world, and we have all made mistakes, we've all messed up, and a price needed to be paid to redeem us and restore us into relationship with God, what price did God pay? Who came to redeem us? Who came to pay the price for our lives and our redemption? Jesus Christ. Come on, friend. We've been believing a lie of worthlessness for far too long. The only accurate measure for the value of your life, friend, is Jesus Christ. That is who you are. That is what God thinks about you, friend. People might have had an opinion. They don't know what they're talking about. Listen to the God who loves you, who laid down his life for you and who believes you. Do you know, 
I spent a lot of time dealing with compensating behaviors. I battled eating disorders, depression, very debilitating uh, social anxiety, tried to find value in so many things. I was very driven in my career, very, could not cope with any kind of criticism because you're not just criticizing my study or my career, you're, you're criticizing me. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Trying to measure my worth in my career success, my bank balance, the weight on the scale, trying to have that perfect body, all of those things, trying to have the right relationships. But none of them could ever make up for the pain and the damage that was in my heart. And I remember I was on medication for depression. You know, like so many people here, seeking medication for something that actually is rooted in something so much deeper. I did not need medication. What I needed was hope. Hope that my life could be different. Hope that this chasm of pain inside my heart could actually be filled. I remember being admitted to a psychiatric hospital sat down with the psychiatrist and she said to me, Janine, we can help you to manage some of your symptoms. We can keep you medicated, but we cannot cure you. You're going to have to learn to live with, these, with this darkness. And in that moment, I heard another voice. It was the voice of Jesus Christ. He said to me, Janine, you've tried everything else. Would you try me? And I said yes to Jesus. That was 20 years ago. I am not on medication. I don't have anorexia, de depression, social anxiety. But that moment of change, actually that journey of change began with a moment of allowing Christ into my life to be the loudest voice. You know, you have dealt with some stuff. I mean, I've shared a little bit about my life, but I know if I was to sit down with any one of you, and hear your story and know your journey, I would, my heart would break about the things that have been said, the way that you've been treated that have not been right, they have not been true, they're nothing to do with who you are. Friend, they haven't changed your identity. They haven't changed the call and the purpose of God on your life. He believes in you. He loves you. But you know, the reason that I was able to identify, okay, that's Jesus' voice in that moment in the psychiatrist's office was because I actually knew Him. Two years before, I met Jesus personally. I grew up in church, but I didn't really know Christ. I didn't understand who He was or what He'd done for me. And two years prior, I, I met Him. So I knew His voice and I could trust His voice. And that's where it really all changed for me. Friend, we've all experienced tragedy and loss and rejection and pain. And we need to learn how to deal with it in a healthy way. Because if we don't, just like we see in Jephthah's story, we're going to end up paying a price we can't afford to purchase something that already belongs to us. We're already loved. We already have value. And we're going to be led away from God in our choices and behaviours instead of closer to God those addictions and those compensating behaviours that we feel so ashamed of, so guilty about, just trying to feel better just for a moment, but in the long run, we feel so much worse. But God's grace covers us. It doesn't expose us. And if we will just allow Him in to deal with the source, then He's going to begin to deal with the behaviours. 
that are outworked for them. But you know, in this moment, the very first step is allowing Jesus Christ into our heart so we can hear His voice and know His purpose. So if I can have every head bowed and all eyes closed, I wanna do the most important thing I could ever do for any person. And this has been the most important moment in my life. I wanna ask you, is Jesus Christ living in your heart? Is He the loudest voice? Do you know Him personally? And that is an honest question. Is Jesus Christ in my heart? Do I know Him? Do I have a personal relationship with Him? That's all it is. It's not, do I believe in God? Am I a good person? Do I go to church? Do I give to charity? Those are all wonderful things, but none of those things can restore our relationship with God. Only Jesus Christ can do that. None of those things can heal our heart. Only Jesus can. You know, I grew up in church. My whole life I've known about God. I was a leader in a youth ministry, but I didn't know Christ personally. He was not living in my heart. And because of that, my whole world got so messed up. So it simply is Jesus Christ in my heart. Do I have a personal relationship with Him? And God is gonna speak with you straight away. Jesus says in Revelation 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will enter in and I will be with them and they will be with me. And right now, Jesus is going person to person, knocking at the door of your heart. He loves you. He is calling you by name. He's asking, will you let me in? but He's not gonna force you. Jesus Christ has already chosen you, friend. And right now, this is your moment to choose Him. So if you're here and you cannot honestly answer yes to that question, Jesus Christ is not number one in your heart. You're not in a relationship with Him. Maybe you didn't even know that you could be. In a moment, I want you to raise your hand just where you're seated and I'm gonna pray with you. Other people here and you know, once Jesus has been in your heart, He's been the loudest voice. But right now, if you're honest, you'll know He's not number one. Maybe it's another relationship. Maybe it is an addiction or a controlling behaviour. Maybe it's a fence that's taken that number one place. I want you to raise your hand and I'm gonna pray with you. Or if you're here and you think about eternity, that most important question, when my body dies, where will my spirit spend eternity? And there's fear in your spirit. You're just not sure where you're gonna spend it. I want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray. And you would leave this place today with an assurance that your eternity is in heaven with the God who loves you beyond your comprehension. So just in any of those areas, just on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand where you're seated. If you don't know Jesus, He's not living in your heart and you want Him to come in, that's one. Or if you've once known Christ, but right now He's not number one and you'd like to make Him number one again, that is two. Or if you would like an assurance of your salvation, three. All over this place, from the front to the back, left to right. Lift your hand nice and high, I'll see it. And then you can put it down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, so many hands going up. Thank you, buddy, I see you. Over here, sweetie, I see you. At the back, sir, I see you. This is a significant moment. Thank you. There is a battle in this moment and the other voices, But listen to that voice that loves you. Listen to that voice that laid down His life for you. Jesus Christ wants you to win and all you have to do is raise your hand and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm agreeing with you. Come into my heart, lift it nice and high. Where are those people? 
Sweetie, I see you. Way, way at the back, all those hands, I see you. Sir, I see you. Amazing. Incredible. People are still responding. Darling, I see you. Friends, what we're going to do, if you would just look up at me for a moment, and if you would just stand to your feet, we're going to pray a prayer together. And thank you so much, friends. You know, this is a prayer. It's a salvation prayer that we are praying to God. Not only changes our lives, it changes our eternities. So let's bow our heads just one more time. I'm going to pray a line. I would love it if you would pray this after me. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, to pay the price for my sin. Jesus, I believe that you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God and you're my Saviour. Come into my heart, forgive me, be the Lord of my life. Help me to live every day in your presence. Jesus, thank you that I am saved. And Lord, I thank you for every man and woman who raised their hand in that moment. Jesus, I thank you that the power of sin and death, it is broken off their lives once and for all. Lord, this is a new day. Lord, I declare that people here are free. They are free from the past, unstuck from those moments and those seasons, Lord, that were never from You. And God, I thank You that as we agree with Christ's Word and His voice, Lord, we are gonna be separated from those behaviours and those feelings. I declare depression and hopelessness null and void over every life. And I declare hope and a future over every person in Jesus' Name. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.